welcome to Safe Inside, brought to you by Theratribe. I'm Jeremy Loomis, and these are my conversations with Sandra Fields, an LPC and certified clinical trauma treatment provider with over 35 years experience helping people who have been through trauma. Welcome back to the Safe Inside podcast brought to you by Theratribe. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Sandy. And last time we talked about how the process of learning to uh, name it, to tame it. Today we're going to follow up with another equally catchy phrase, feel it to heal it. Yeah. So last time we talked about that catchy phrase coming from Dr. Dan Siegel. Feel it to heal it actually comes from the big book from Recovery communities, the 12-step communities, because we've learned how important it is to be able to do this. Because if we don't, it comes out in ways that are not helpful for us. So basically, we have a lot of emotions. We have a lot of what we term good emotions. We have happiness and joy and, and accomplishment and pride and, and all of those kinds of labeled good emotions. We also have these negative emotions, such as, as we label them, uh, anger and frustration and sadness and, and disappointment, and we label those being negative. And we've moved into a type of culture at this point where we've become very much around that positive mindset. Um, you know, we have these mantras and we have, well, think just on the good side of things. And, and there is a point where that is helpful um, it is around you want to keep a positive mindset, but I have over the last few years finally heard a good term called toxic positivity, <laughs> right? And so that is a fairly new one, isn't it? It is, but a, a much needed one. Um, and so we say that we have positive and negative emotions. However, emotions are just emotions. They aren't positive and they aren't negative. They just are, and they're all actually acceptable and necessary. Mm. So for us to say they're positive or negative, it, it just kind of defines them in a way that makes them unuseful at that point. Somewhere along the lines, sadness became the redheaded stepchild, as if there's anything wrong with being redheaded or anything wrong with being a stepchild. Exactly. It's the same kind of thing, right? So, you know, it's, it's not okay to be sad sometimes. It's not okay to feel disappointed and it's not okay to feel angry. And, and frankly, we feel all of those things. We can pretend that we don't feel them, but we do feel them. And so it's important to pay attention, first of all, to our language around positive and negative emotions, mm. and then to know what to do with them. Because, you know, it's not that we want to become these feelings. Of course, we are not our feelings, but they do give us important information about what's happening in our lives. Big footnote, if you didn't catch the episode before this, this has that, what Sandy just said, uh, the whole context for that, uh, if you'd like to dig deeper into it, was... Uh, the substance of our last episode. Yes, yes. So we, we do refer you back to that episode. But um, when we pretend that we're not feeling these things and we, we go, oh, there's anger that's going to have to be mushed down over there because that's a negative emotion and I surely can't feel anger. Um, there's some sadness, can't do that. There's some disappointment. Over there it goes. There's some discouragement. And what happens if we push them down enough we actually 
because we're trying not to feel them, we actually have to start sort of numbing ourselves. And there's a lot of ways that we can numb ourselves. We can use substances, alcohol or drugs, uh, in order to numb ourselves. Hence, this is why Feel It to Heal It comes out of the 12-step community. We can overeat, maybe, um, and gain a lot of weight. Or we can undereat and force ourselves into to looking and focusing on that kind of control and develop maybe an eating disorder, an over-exercise disorder. We can stay on social media way too long. We can watch true crime dramas. Not that any of us would know anything about those, just kidding, that's one of the things I like to watch. Um, but we can use those to an excess in our life where we don't get things done. Isn't it interesting that trying to kill a piece of yourself leads to excess in some area of your life? Yes, because we're numbing, we're numbing. We're kind of covering it up with that numbing. And so that, that's literally what we're doing with numbing. It, it's every time we start feeling that, we, we try to throw something at it to like quiet it down. It's like bribing my, my dogs when they, they want to play and I need to work. You know, I might hand them a toy and, and then if they get tired of that and they come back, I might hand them a chewy and they get tired and come back and I might, you know, trying to keep them pacified while I'm trying to do something else. It's a very similar mm. concept, right? What you're describing so far reminds me so much of, you know, um, well, to you listening, I imagine many of you can relate to this. If you've ever been in a relationship, whether it was a marriage or a dating relationship that seemed to start out great and showed so much promise and you had, you both were there for one another and gradually more and more things happened where whether it was said outright or you just kind of felt it, you got the sense that, oh, well, I can't, we can't talk about this certain topic in our relationship or, oh, I can't, I can't do this or, you know, whatever thing, You're gradually learning that more and more things are off limits, even for discussion, until that relationship grows cold and it just becomes this thing that you're both physically there, but you're not, you're not even connected anymore. So take that, if you can relate to that, and translate that into your relationship with yourself. Right, right. That's a good, that's a good, well, a good analogy. I wouldn't say it's a good thought. Uh, yeah, that, but it's but a useful framework. It's a useful framework for that. And if you've experienced trauma, you have a lot of emotions, most likely, that you have tried to numb because they feel overwhelming and they hurt and they're painful. And so you try to numb them. So, you know, we say in recovery, trauma recovery work, that trauma is the gateway drug because people who are addicted to substances, you know, are, are most more likely to have been traumatized than the general population, especially as children. Um, so it, it, we, we numb through all of these things. And the antidote to numbing is actually to feel it. It, the only way out is through. The only way out is through, which is another one of those phrases from the big books and from the 12-step community that literally links along with feel it to heal it. Those are the two phrases that go together. And it's exactly right. The only way out is to, to go through it. And so, you know, part of, part of that feeling it to healing or feel it to heal it means that we do have to make space for those emotions in our lives. We, we have to do that without judgment and be willing to 
to look at that and say, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling whatever it is that I'm feeling. And not say, ooh, that's anger. That's a bad feeling. But just say, I am feeling angry right now. I'm feeling afraid. I'm, whatever it is, be, be willing to make space to allow yourself to feel that. So it's important to do that. Uh, and what do you what do you have to add to that? Uh, as I I won't be surprised if this question is already stirring up in some of our listeners because the last couple episodes have led up to this. What do you do? How do you approach it when you already think those feelings are bigger than you are? Well, you name it to begin with. Um, but you, you you do get if you've had trauma, please get with a therapist and help and let a therapist help you through this because sometimes someone helping you carry this can can make the difference between being able to get through it or not. Don't be afraid to, to reach out for help. Um, matter of fact, I'm encouraging you to do so. But part of it is making space for that and not trying to fit it into the rest of your life, but literally sitting down and saying, what am I feeling right now? And being willing to say, I am feeling anger, I am feeling sadness. Um, in our last episode, I talked about being the pond, becoming that mindful observer, not allowing ourselves to feel like we are the feelings, but recognizing that we are they are just there, we're feeling them, and they will move on. Hmm. And so that's another big piece to this feel it to heal it, allowing those fish, per se, from our last episode to swim through our pond, our being, allowing our feelings to just work their way through us in us and through us and then through onto the other side. Um, and having that kind of a, a mental framework helps us be able to manage these overwhelming feelings. Um, you know, sitting with it, being willing to, to ask yourself, well, I'm angry with, I'm feeling angry with, with my husband. And then ask yourself, why am I feeling angry? What is it about this interaction that, um, to which I was reacting. What What is it about this? This Was it that I feel disrespected? Was it a trauma trigger? Was that I feel small? Did I feel um, invalidated? Did I feel violated? What, what part of this interaction? And was this a true part of that interaction? Or was this, you know, something that I was bringing from my past? Was it really that this, that my husband um, violated me or invalidated me, or was it that because he said that that reminded me of my trauma at which time? And asking yourself those questions and being okay to ask and answer, you know, making space for that without any judgment. Because our feelings aren't wrong. No matter what we're feeling, they're not wrong. They're not bad. We're not bad people for feeling them. They're just, they're feelings. That's all they are. They're just feelings. It's, a, it's funny because you wouldn't really, uh, uh, I, th I suppose this is an assumption, but I would imagine most people wouldn't blame themselves for catching a cold. Some people do, actually. People blame themselves for just about everything, right? And that's, you're saying that and you're like, but people do. People do blame themselves or people blame other people for getting cancer. Mm. If they had ate, uh, eaten better, if they had not lived near electrical lines, if they had you know, had more faith, it depends on, on 
someone's belief system of trying to stay safe in the world, um, people are going to blame themselves. And yet that's such an irrational thought is it, to blame ourselves for having emotions. We are not automatons, we're not robots, we are people. And what one of the things that defines us as people is our feelings and being able to recognize our feelings and then to use them as data to inform our decisions and our behavior and our perspective on the world. And so being able to feel it means that we do need to sit with it. Um, I said in the last episode, and I'll repeat it, that Deepak Chopra says that feelings have feelings. And if we ignore them, they, they get angrier because they're like, whoa, no, I belong to you. And they become a little disrespected you know, to, to uh, amorphize, however you say that word, feelings. But, but they oh, kind yeah, of personifying the feelings. Yeah. the feelings, but they, they kind of do. Um, and so we need to be able to sit with it and go, I'm feeling this anger and own that. It's a, another way of stepping into our own agency and taking control of our life. Mm. It's not by ignoring that it's there and pretending that we're really not feeling the anger. It is saying, I am feeling the anger. And that allows me then to take more control of my behavior and my perspective, um, which seems counterproductive, except that once you think about it, it doesn't really. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit. Isn't it a bit like having a crying baby? It's not like the baby suddenly has all the control if you give it attention, but sometimes it needs attention. Right, right, right. Exactly. A baby doesn't cry because the baby is lying there thinking it's going to manipulate everyone into <laughs> getting what they want. They're babies. They're not thinking like that. They're thinking, I'm not comfortable in whatever way, and I need somebody to comfort me because I don't know how to do that myself. Yeah. And so... Think about having a baby monitor in the kitchen and a baby monitor in the, the nursery and the baby crying because a fire just started in the nursery. Maybe you ought to pay attention to that. Maybe so. Maybe so. And and I think that we, we do the same thing with our feelings. We pretend that that fire is not happening and we, we ignore them. So making space for that feeling, um, allowing ourselves to feel angry and naming it, you know, acknowledging that anger or whatever it is that we're feeling, um, being willing to say, I am feeling angry um, and sit with it, you know, um, not try to numb it, to just allow yourself to feel all of your feelings and then allow it to, at, once you do that, once you figure out why you're feeling that, because that will inform your, your thoughts, it will inform your behavior. Why am I feeling angry? So if you can figure out why are you feeling that um, while you're sitting with it, once you do that, then the next step is to just let it go. You know, allow that fish to swim on through or allow that feeling to go on through you, in you, and out on the other side to then allow yourself not to feel it once once you have felt it you know um that's how you kind of lay a thing to rest huh it you do you just lay it to rest you sometimes we don't if we allow ourselves to feel these feelings and then we think okay i'm angry because somebody was disrespectful and i was violated and then if at, we can get to a point where we're like holding on to this because if i don't hold on to it then I'll be disrespected or violated again. And that is not the purpose of that anger. 
So we feel it, we sit with it until we figure out what's going on, allow it to inform us. That's what our feelings do, they are data to give us information. Allow it to inform us. Once it's informed us, let it go on out. Because once we're informed, that's the bit that then we can use to protect ourselves if we need to. It's not the feeling, it's the information that we need that that feeling is giving us to be able to then craft a response to keep ourselves safe. So the feelings are almost like reconnaissance in a way. They are more than in a way. They are reconnaissance. They're letting us know what's going on in our life. They are literally to inform us of what's happening. So they're not good or bad. And yet, you know, to keep that up, we sometimes shoot the messenger, right? Or we try to hide the messenger. <laughs> Imagine employing 20 security guards yeah. and, then, and then gunning each of them down as they give their daily report. Right. Or if they come in to give the daily report, it's like, I'm not talking to you and putting our fingers in our ears going, no, 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 no. And that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if our, if, if our angry guy comes in, then we would be silly not to at least listen to what he's trying to say. And he's coming in going, excuse me, there's a violation happening here, you know, or whatever it is that he's saying. Yeah. And we can listen to him and go, okay, thank you for that information. How about you going back out there and keep your eye out for something else? I've got it from here. You know, and that's really a good analogy of how our feelings work. So we, we sit with them and we listen to them. And then we say, thank you for the information and send them bowing back out there to, to be a reconnaissance again. Mm -hmm. I like that analogy a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that it, it is a, on some level, it is an identity issue because if you forget your place and you start assuming that anger is the one running the show, mm -hmm. you're just going to feel small and you're going to feel victim of your own emotions. Yeah. And and I'm curious, and if you had something to say on that, then I don't want to uh, keep you from it. Um, but as we're getting closer to wrapping this one up, um, I am wondering what you what forms of resistance have been most common that you've seen. Well, besides the fact of saying things like "I am not an angry person," um, you know, and just flat out denying it, um, another form of resistance is just buying into almost that toxic positivity and believing that if I'm a good person, then I'm only going to focus on those positive things. But what happens is eventually that anger kind of gets larger and larger. And so you might have a young man, for instance, who is normally this really great, wonderful, loving guy, but when he gets angry, he'll punch a wall or he'll scream and yell. And then he's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. And that's because he's not been listening to his angry messenger. Another way that we resist it, honestly, is just numbing. Again, it's that social media, it's that scrolling online, it's that YouTube video over and over again. It's that, I see that a lot now. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people just, they're constantly online and they're just numbing themselves and they're not engaging in their own lives. And engaging in your lives mean that you're engaging with your information, which is your feelings. You know, we can't have a really happy life if we're numbing from our, all of our emotions. And I don't think yeah. we tend to uh, think of that as dissociation, but that's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's not relaxing. If you're, if you're on social media more than just a quick check to see if you have alerts and, and responding to your your actual friends and not the 10,000 people that are on your social media account, um, 
If you're doing more than that, you most likely are numbing and dissociating into to numbness. Um, you don't have to experience trauma to dissociate, by the way, but we, we are dissociating through that social media scroll. Um, it can be social media, YouTube videos, uh, the doom scrolling, you know, going through the news. You can go down those rabbit hole. Um, right now, when we're recording this, there's the war in Ukraine, and you can go down into that hole right now. And all of those things are ways of turning our attention away from our, our feelings and numbing ourselves and not feeling them. So that resistance is there. And then in session, resistance comes out basically, they clients don't want to feel it because it, it already feels overwhelming and scary. And so if I say, let's, let's look at this, immediately they're like, nope, I don't want to do that. That's why it's over there. I, I don't want to look at it, you know, and... and so that reminds me of the, I don't know how many people listening are into horror movies, but that reminds me of the Babadook. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like that. Um, but, you know, you do need to look at yeah. it. It's, it's, it's the opposite of the angels in Doctor Who. We want to look at them. Uh, well, no, it is that, that is what we want to do. We want to look at them because it's when we look away that the angels come and get you, the statues, mm -hmm. right? So we want to make sure that we're looking at them. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the same thing with the ghosts in Mario. Yeah, yeah, you want to look at them. So it, it, it's funny how we have this throughout our, our literature, we have it throughout our movies, and we have it throughout our video games and in our culture as many things, um, by the way. But yes, we want to look at it face on and face it for it to then just go through us, in us and through us, and I know I keep saying that, in us and through us and out the other side, because we want it to do just that. Um, but we have to, to do that, we have to stare it in the face and be willing to allow it to move through us. Because if not, we're just going to deny parts of ourselves, and, yeah. and it's uh, going to bite us in the end. And that's it's, uh, intuitively, if, if you're subscribing to a black and white view of these over here being positive emotions, these over here being negative emotions, then you can justify it as a form of weeding a garden. But really, it's more like, I don't like orange flowers, so out they go. I don't like yellow flowers, so out they go, you know. And if you take that further, though, take it to where you have to have the orange and yellow flowers to be able to function as a garden. Yeah, yeah. That, they, that there would need to be a necessity for them to be there. Yeah, it's not a good enough analogy. It's more like it's more like things that would upset a full ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be that. It would be exterminating full species because they annoy well, you. Well, it would be well bees sting you, so it would be yeah, rid of that, all the bees. That's right? perfect. So yeah, we don't want to get rid of the bees because yeah. they, you know, without them we would have some hunger shortages throughout the world um, that would persist. And so yeah, it would be that kind of a. a an analogy, and nobody wants to obey to sting them because it hurts, but it, it would be the same analogy, mm. right? So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to be so inclined to tell a client of mine, okay, you need to do a social media fast. No more, you know, no more scrolling for you whatsoever. Right. If that's been their security blanket, then it is what yes. it is. However, if you're encountering that resistance, um, what what's maybe a good... Uh, 
dipping the toes in the water, just getting started. Yeah, just getting started. We look at smaller things. We, we, instead of looking at the trauma, we may look at things that are happening day to day and then facing those and give them that experience and kind of building their skills you know, as they go along. And then we'll pull out the bigger stuff. So we don't jump in mm. all of a sudden in treatment. And it's funny that you said that about the social media and the security blanket. I don't ever, ever encourage a, a client to put away their security blanket, whatever that may look like, um, until they have the skills and the necessities of being able to manage that stabilization to move on. And that includes sometimes even self-harm. Mm. Um, I don't discourage stopping self-harm. If, if, if the choice is stabilization with self-harm or destabilization without it, I'm going to say, we're going to work on that later as long as they're not you know, killing themselves, of course, yeah, or yeah. anything like that. So, you know, yeah, it, 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 it can feel complicated, mm -hmm. especially, uh, let's say, for those with very rigid moral view of situations, if they're trying to be supportive of somebody who's struggling with that. Because, unfortunately, let's even use substance use as an example. Right. There are things where if you try to go cold turkey, you're going to die. Right, right. And, and you don't want to do that without the proper supports. And that includes the, the personal skills to be able to manage that. So we would start small. And, we, and if you're thinking about doing this, by all means, please start small. Um, think about some event that happened maybe today and you were a little bit not okay with that. So sit with that smaller event and ask yourself, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? And then allow yourself to sit with that and let it inform you and let it move on through. And so the more that you do that, just like anything else, the better, better your skill will grow and you'll be able to do bigger and bigger things. So don't try that all or nothing thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going to jump in and pull out all of my trauma today. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, but it will be necessary eventually to to pull it out. And, and doing that bit by bit, learning that new skill, that's going to be true for just about anything that we talk about um, on our podcast, because it can feel overwhelming and very complex when you're talking about trauma, especially. So we don't want to overwhelm people who may already feel overwhelmed with life itself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So it'll happen. You'll develop confidence. Practice is good for that. Yes. <laughs> and yes. and uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I, I would just encourage those of you listening. If you're ashamed of what your security blanket has been, take a moment to be thankful that at least you had that instead of having nothing. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need to. You don't need to make a hero out of something that, that has terrible side effects, but maybe you don't need to demonize it quite to the level that you have or that you, or that you expect that those around you would demonize if they knew it about you. Because the point is you survived and I'm glad that you did, but uh, maybe you can live better than you've lived up until this point. So thanks for joining us for this episode. We are going to start talking about the vagus nerve which is a big topic, but join us as we begin our discussion on that next time. We'll talk to you soon.